Let's just say I put him in a hole and threw away the hole. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. So Tim, how's your week been going? Well, it was a crazy week here weather-wise. It was actually Wednesday. I was heading home from where I work, and I work an hour south of where I live. I'm in northern Indiana, and as I'm going home, there is a bunch of kind of storm clouds going through and I knew there was some really bad weather to the south of where I work. But actually going home, there were some storm clouds going through. I was just kind of looking at them off to the west as I'm driving north and and I'm saying, these look a little different than not what I normally see. They just looked a little more menacing. Not like they were uh, tornadoes touching down, but they something just looked a little odd about them. They looked very active. So I, as soon as I got home, I had no idea what was actually going on, but there was tornadoes going through north central Indiana and it went through Kokomo and you guys have probably seen the videos of it online or on the news. But yeah, so some F3 tornadoes went through a little bit south of where I live and thankfully nobody got hurt. There were no major injuries from all this, but oh. you probably saw the video of a Starbucks that got just blown over. Oh man, well I'm glad to hear no one got hurt. I mean, living in Alabama, you know, it, we're not, you know, the Midwest gets called Tornado Alley, but the South gets called Tornado Death Row. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad to hear that, you know, everyone turned out okay. Yeah, definitely. So what have you been up to, man? Um, I've been reading these things called books. <laughs> you know, there's no pictures in them. It's just words. Actual prose. Actual prose. Yes. Huh. It's. It's. I actually finished a couple of. I finished a couple of books this week. It was kind of nice. I got this really popular fantasy series I love to read called The Dresden Files, and it's and it, it's been adapted into comic books and original stories. And I just I really enjoy it. It's like a private eye who's a wizard in Chicago. So it's it's a really fun series. I just finished book six, and I'm just chugging along, and it's been fun. Just sort of having a little bit of breathing space. Work has kind of gotten into a groove. You know, it's it's not the hectic beginning of the year stuff. It's just, I'm just now in it. So it's, routine is starting to set in. So it's been, it's been nice. You know, my three-year-old is, you know, we're getting better. Like the bedtime is becoming a little bit more reasonable now that, you know, <laughs> he's in school and we're in school. So, you yeah. know, it's, everyone's just kind of settling down right now. So it's been nice. And there hasn't been a lot of news yeah, for our podcast lately. So it's also been making doing the podcast just a little bit easier. Oh, that's good. Well, I mean, it's been good for us for a couple of different reasons because, uh, as you know, as we kind of announced this week and we've hinted at it before and we've even talked about it in past episodes, but we kind of finally put out some cover artwork explaining that we are actually expanding the Squadcast network. Well, the fact is that we're going to be a network. Yeah, that, so that's news. We are going to be a network. Rather than just give you like cover artwork of what the show is going to be, let me just expound and uh, this is Scott and I expound on what this is actually going to be. So just to give you a little bit of background, when we started the show, we knew we wanted to cover DC news. And of course, we were very amped up to talk about the movie news. And and quite honestly, we just love talking about the movie side of things because it's just fun, exciting, dynamic. You know, we don't know where it's going. Uh, This universe is starting. It's forming the cinematic universe. It's just been, it's really been our focus. But at the same time, we have just a giant explosion of DC on TV as well. And I'm a giant TV fan and I watch all these shows pretty much live or day after. So I knew when we got started that I wanted 
wanted to be able to talk about that stuff because you know I'm I'm there watching their shows like I I can't wait I'm yeah. one of I, I've stayed up to a ridiculous amount of time trying to watch the shows. <laughs> yep, same here. You know, I, I tend to fall a little bit behind during you know the season and all that. I stay pretty much on top of it. So of course you know we we love the movies, we love TV, and of course you know what started it all for Scott and I of course is the comics. Well, I'm not sure if it started. I, I'm going to be honest. The TV kind of started it for me. I'm going to be honest. When I was I mean, little, you, you were a comic fan, right? Oh yeah, I was a comic fan, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to say the TV brought me to comics back when I was a kid. So let's. Be oh, okay, well, that's fair enough. Fair enough. You know, but so there's really three main pillars that we try to cover to some degree on our show. We do a really good job on the movie stuff. We do a somewhat decent job on the TV stuff. On the comic stuff, we're way lacking. Well, it's also because we're way behind. Well, I, I'm <laughs> seriously behind, and you're yep. still catching up. I'm behind in comics, like you're behind in TV. Right. So basically, we said, you know what? We've had great success with our show, and we felt like, you know, we really were kind of serving kind of a desire from you guys about what you wanted to get out of a DC podcast and all that. And you know, we kind of felt like, you know, we're coming up on a year here since we started the show. It was really time for us to do a better job of serving those three different pillars of of really our DC love. And so this is what we're going to do going forward. We are we're going to maintain this show. This show is not going to change. So nobody out there panic. It's still going to be Scott and myself. We are going to be doing this show just like we always do. The second show is going to be helmed by Brent, who you've heard many times on this show. He's going to be taking over the DC TV Squadcast, and it is going to be focused on the CW network of shows. And he's going to be joined by Ray Smith. So we're going to be having a schedule that's going to be heavier, certainly during the TV season. And then in the off season, there'll just be, uh, I think at this point, the plan is to just do periodic episodes. But definitely once the season starts, the plan is to have a weekly show just talking about the CW universe of shows for DC. So that's going to be starting up here real soon. In fact, the first episode has already been recorded and we're in the process of trying to figure out how we're going to network all these all together. And so you shall see something on that very quickly here. And then the third show is called the DC Comics Squadcast, and that is going to be focused just on DC Comics. And again, so we want to get it down into something manageable, just like we did with the TV show. We're going to focus just on the CW shows on the DC Comics Squadcast. We're going to focus on Justice League and the associated comics that go with it for the members of the Justice League. So that would be like Justice League, Batman, Detective, Action, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash. Green Lanterns. And Green Lanterns. Right, exactly. How about how, are they going to talk how Jordan the Green Lantern Corps, or is that kind of in its own little own little pocket there, do you know? Yeah, I think we're just, for right now, we're starting with the Justice League members. And from there, we're going to, you know, just kind of see where it goes. As the team starts to evolve, we may bring in different books on that. Okay. So, to let you know who's going to be helming this, it's going to be Chris Rimmer and Jordan Funk. And these two guys are just fantastic together. So they're going to be taking over this show and, and they're busy writing music right now. Scott, a couple nights ago, I was listening to some of the music that Chris Rimmer put together. And Chris Rimmer, of course, is part of two different bands. One of them, Hydrogen Child. And then Chris's other band is called Irene and the Sleepers. You know, so we got a musician. He's putting together a theme song right now for the intro for the show. And then Jordan Funk gave me something last night and he created some really, really cool outro music that he's going to use for the show. So these guys are working hard, getting stuff together. So we will be announcing more on that one shortly. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, the plan is to have three different feeds, RSS feeds that would cover each show. And then I think we'll create a fourth feed that would cover all shows where all shows would be published to that one feed. So that's kind of what we got going forward. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Scott? Ah, shoot. I'm just ready to start listening. <laughs> Unfortunately, with Chris and Jordan show, I once again, as I complain about every week, I'll have to catch up on Rebirth so that I can actually listen to their show. I would like to listen to a show that's on our own network, but you know, I might have to like back 
backlog a few and then catch up later. Who yep. knows? So that's it, guys. Uh, that's a little more detail about what to expect. So like I said, do not fear. This show is not changing. It's still going to be the same show that you've had the last year. It's again, We're going to keep moving forward. We're just adding more talent to the network and we're going to cover more bases. So. Oh, fantastic. Well, let's move on to some movie news. I am totally excited about this and shout out to Christian for tweeting it out to me and letting me know about it. But Variety, uh, Justin Kroll from Variety is reporting that Doug Lyman has now been tapped to direct a Dark Universe, Justice League, Dark, whatever we want to call it, film from WB. Now, some people may remember that this was the film that was originally in development by uh, Guillermo del Toro. That was supposed to be, you know, our, our Justice League Dark team, our magic characters in the DC universe. But apparently now they're, they've got a director. <laughs> and uh, sources have also added that Lyman, who originally had been attached to 20th Century Fox's Gambit film, has left it, uh, saying it was a mutual split between Fox and Lyman. Hmm. This is interesting. Now, it, there was a couple other directors, and I don't remember their names offhand, uh, but there were a couple other directors that were rumored at one point to be attached to this film, and then nothing really ever came out of it. In fact, I think I think ultimately that was kind of debunked shortly after that. A little while ago, when Scott Rudin was brought on to actually produce this, that pretty much said that this is the real deal, that this thing is definitely moving forward. Now, Scott Rudin is like this mega producer in Hollywood. He's involved in a lot of big things. I mean, most recently, well, I mean, even kind of going back a little bit further, he was involved in the Truman Show back in 1998. Uh, he did No Country for Old Men 2007. Oh, fantastic movie. Yeah. Moneyball 2011. Grand Budapest Hotel in 2014, of course, won some awards on that. And then Ex Machina in 2015. So these are the kind of things that Scott Rudin, you know, when he's involved with, he really charges forward with these things. And and so, you know, once we had heard that he was actually going to be uh, taking this on and pushing us forward, like it was pretty clear that this was going to happen. Well, and then Doug Lyman, I mean, he's no slouch. I mean, let's no. look at what he's, he directed Swingers mm-hmm. in 1996, uh, the first Born movie in 2002, Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad and Angelina in 2005, and then even up to Edge of Tomorrow with uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt, which, you know, that was a sleeper of a movie, but it was a good movie. It was a really good movie. Yeah, terrible marketing, unfortunately. Oh, terrible marketing, <laughs> uh, but good movie. And then apparently he is currently in post-production with two films, one called The Wall with Amazon Studios, and then also another film with Tom Cruise uh, called American Maid uh, that apparently is about a drug cartel involving an ex-pilot who becomes a smuggler for Pablo Escobar and Jorge Luis Oca. Uh, was it Oca? Ochoa. Okay. okay. I mean, man, Pablo Escobar's being like, there's like a, there's like a movie and then there's a Netflix series and now <laughs> yeah. there's this. It's like, man, a lot of stuff going on. But so these are some big name movies and I've seen all but one of the movies on this list on in our show notes. I have seen all these movies. Yeah. And one that you didn't mention, he also did Jumper in, tw- in 2008. That's the one I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. Yeah, that that's a fun movie. That's a fun movie. Okay. So that kind of made you, you know, kind of gave you this idea that, you know, this guy could do a superhero type movie. Yeah. And now the person that reportedly is tapped to write the script is a Michael Giglio, who apparently only has one film credit as a director, writer, and actor in a film called Quick Stop. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's about a um, Hollywood bound actor who is shoplifting and discovered by a local girl in a small Midwestern town. Yeah. So sounds like they're kind of getting a newbie to come in yeah. and write this film. Yeah. I mean, that film actually won, like, I think Best Director or something to, along those lines for, like, the Buenos Aires Film Festival. So, I mean, okay. it's, it's, you know, it was an indie film, and uh, it's, you know, he at least got, he, he's kind of got out there and got somebody's attention on this. And, of course, the rumored lineup, and 
once again, I will emphasize the word again, rumored lineup is John Constantine, Swamp Thing, Dead Man, Zatanna, and Etrigan the Demon, which ironically is the exact same team lineup that is appearing in that uh, DC Universe direct-to-video movie that we're going to be getting in a few months. Right. So whether that lineup really connects to the animated movie or they're kind of repeating the lineup for the film, uh, I don't know. But I mean, those are some great names. I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna complain if that ends up being the lineup in the movie. Yeah. I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, this is the real deal when it comes to directors and all that. So I couldn't be more excited about this. And you know, you got you got a monster producer behind it, and then you got this director. And uh, of course, we had heard. I mean, who are some of the names that we had heard possibly being connected to this? Well, we got Colin Farrell, Colin which Farrell. of course we all make real like Constantine. You know, Constantine, that would yep. that'd be I I would not. I mean, I love Matt Ryan, but if I could get Colin Farrell, I'll, oh, I'll take I'll take no Colin doubt. Farrell. No doubt, I'll take Matt Ryan though too. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. Of I'm not course, complaining. I love me some Matt Ryan. Yeah. Hellblazer all the way. Yeah. Now uh, there had been some rumors that maybe Ron Perlman had been connected to it to play like Swamp Thing, especially because of Ron Perlman and Guillermo del Toro's you know past working relationship, right. notably with things like Hellboy. But uh, Ron Perlman has come out and said that's an urban myth. That's internet noise. No, I have not been. I have not been cast as Swamp Thing, even though that would be amazing. Yeah. So I think what's interesting about this is, uh, you know, this has never even been announced by Warner Brothers yet. So, but what is implied in this article is that will be part of the DC Extended Universe. So it's not like this is going to be some standalone. Now, what's kind of interesting, if you actually look at what Doug Liman is actually working on right now, of course, he's, you know, he's finishing up and doing post-production right now on that Tom Cruise movie, American Made. So he's got to finish that up. But he was also kind of linked to a Lionsgate film, which is called Chaos Walking, and then Attica. And so those are, you know, supposedly in pre-production right now. So I don't really know where this film fits in this schedule. So I think we're, I think the thing we need to say is we're still pretty early on here. But that said, you know, it seems like this thing is moving awful fast. You know, once they brought in Scott Rudin, this thing was going to get moving. So who knows, you know, maybe one of these other films are being put off to the side. Now, I don't know. I don't know what studio Attica was with. You know, I would say if my best guess here, considering we have Justice League coming out next year, it seems to me the earliest we might see this might be 2018, 2019 timeframe. You know, I'm, I'm not even sure if we'd see it then either. I mean, looking at the slate with, you know, the the rumored Man of Steel 2 in development and the Batman solo film that we know is in development. Mm. I don't know. I wonder if it might be even, you know, you're saying 2018 is like the earliest, but do you really yeah. think we'll get it in 2018? Well, I think it's possible, quite honestly. I, I'm saying possible, but I'm saying is it likely? I, I think it's, uh you know, I think it's more likely to not because I think right now Warner Brothers has really recognized that they need to try to find some things that are novel because there's a lot of superhero movies out there and that's why Suicide Squad has done so well despite the, the you know the really negative reviews that it's gotten from critics because it's something novel it's something unique it's something new and different and fun and I can see something like this Justice League Dark or Dark Universe whatever we end up calling this thing you know this is going to be unlike anything else that we have out there well I still think that the animated movie is probably I will lay dollars to donuts that they're going to watch the sales on that Justice League Dark animated film and just see how does it do compared to the other animated films and I would not be surprised if maybe that kind of kicks the production up a notch if that film is as successful as I'm sure that they're hoping is going to be. Right, yeah. And I also wouldn't be surprised too if the, because we, I think a fair criticism of Suicide 
Squad has been that the plot of the movie seemed more like a Justice League Dark type of plot than an actual Suicide Squad plot. And with Suicide Squad doing okay, I'm sure that this is a movie that would work well with, you know, a Enchantress-like character who would end up being the main villain. Because I think she was the villain in the first New 52 run of the original book. Mm-hmm. Enchantress was a major villain in either the first or second arc. Yeah. So. I see the cards kind of aligning for this one. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like I said, I, I, you know, I know that Warner Brothers, you know, when they announced their slate, they had given formal announcement about doing two films per year. But they also said there was going to be a solo Batman, a solo Superman film as well, mixed in there somewhere between 2015 and 2020. And we also had heard that they were potentially going to try to put out three different films a year. Now, I don't know if that included some of the stuff over at uh, New Line Cinema or not. But, you know, between all the films that have already been kind of announced and the fact that, you know, we're starting to get information on something like this and there's a lot of rumors going around about a Suicide Squad sequel beginning filming in 2017. And then we've heard some things about possibly like a Harley Quinn solo film and all that. So I think even though we don't really know where this would fit in, if, if Warner Brothers is trying to really build up on this and of course the results have been really good financially for the three films they put out so far, I could see them slotting this thing in anywhere at some point. So Okay. Now we've got another movie coming out soon, apparently. Yeah, so now this is a, a film that is apparently in the works, and this came from Rebecca Ford at Hollywood Reporter, and she revealed that Monolith is actually in development right now. Now, if you don't know what Monolith is, let's give you a little bit of history. This originally appeared in DC Comics in 2004-2005. This was always presented as a creator-owned series that was being published by DC Comics. Now, it was creator-owned by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, done some fantastic work for DC Comics. Oh, fantastic. I love yeah. those guys. Yeah. Great, great, great writers. Well, anyway, this series came out and I've read it one time and I think it lasted maybe 10 or 12 issues. It's not a thick, it's not a thick trade. I'll tell you that. It's a oversized as in like a, like it's it's taller than a normal book, but it's not thick. So there was not a lot of issues. Right. And I vaguely remember it. it the, the one thing that kind of struck me is, uh, you know, it was a big hulking type character. It's this big gray, you know, I, I, I kind of want to compare him to the Incredible Hulk, but the mythology of it was it was essentially a monster that went all the way back to like the early 1900s and it was found by this girl I think her name was Alice and she she was a former like drug addict and she got this house from her grandmother who had passed away somewhere over in New York in Brooklyn I think and so in there she found a diary that kind of told about this this monster and I'm trying to remember exactly how it it worked but I felt like the monster was in the wall or something my memory is pretty fuzzy on this but the fact that it was a modern retelling of like the Jewish Gollum legend right that would fit because the Gollum has always been presented as a creature of clay or stone who was brought to life so that would make complete sense yeah, but uh, so I remember this book being highly, highly praised and liked. But the problem is the sales just weren't you know that good. It was it's, it's it was a, a brand new character and it just didn't have really big sales. And so at one point in time, I think after it ran like the ten or twelve issues, DC discontinued it. And then it wasn't until recently the the creators, the original creators, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, were actually given the publication rights. They were reverted back from DC Comics back to them, and that was in t- uh, two thousand thirteen. 
So up into this point, or really the last eight years, DC Comics still kind of had the rights to publish it. And then there must have been some stipulation if, if DC wasn't really going to do anything with it that they got the rights back. So in just a, a few short years later, suddenly this property is actually being developed. So this is not going to be a DC property. This is not going to be part of the DCEU. But we want to bring it up because this was a pretty beloved book back from the mid-2000s that really had a lot of appeal at the time. Yeah, you can still get the book on Amazon. Actually, when the rights reverted back to Palmiotti and Gray, uh, Image published the trade. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's the, you yeah. can get this nice, beautiful hardcover. And it's kind of funny because this was, this has been presented in the news as an, oh, new news that this film is in the works. And guys, I, I basically, Jimmy Palmiotti is a superstar on Kickstarter and he does all kinds of creator-owned stuff on Kickstarter. I knew about this like half a year ago. <laughs> it's really funny to me that it's being reported like, this film is in the works and Jimmy totally told us all on Kickstarter that this was coming like months ago. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I like those I like those guys' work. I like something that's very different, very outside of the box. And I'm excited for these guys to just have even more success yeah. when it comes to this property. Creator owned properties are things that need this kind of support. They do. They definitely do. Yeah, I, I always uh I just remember liking the character. I don't remember a whole lot. There was a, a great interaction he had with Batman in the middle of the series. I I do remember a little bit about that. And then Monolith also appeared later after the series had ended. It actually appeared in, I think, Crisis Aftermath, Battle for Bloodhaven. And so, you know, the character was making some very sporadic appearances, I think, beyond the series. There might have been a couple more beyond that. But I always kind of felt like when this came out that this had the potential to, to really kind of make an impact in the DC universe. And it just never really, you know, quite took off. And I don't know if that was more on DC's part because because it was creator-owned. Uh, you know, maybe it was just inconvenient for them to use it. But at any rate, uh, you know, good for those guys. I, I, I like seeing the, the original creators on this, you know, get an opportunity to have the film put forward. And they also tell us that, uh, speaking about the film adaptation side of it, apparently Dave Wilson is going to direct the film, and he was the creative director for Tim Miller's Deadpool movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be Dave Wilson's directorial debut, even though he's worked on some video games and some trailers, uh, particularly Mass Effect 2 and Star Wars The Old Republic, yep. which are some pretty epic games, let's, yeah, let's be honest. In some way, he was involved in Avengers Age of Ultron. It wasn't really clarified. Yeah. And then uh, Barnett Brettler has been tapped to write the script. However, he's only written spec scripts before, and this is going to be his first major assignment. Yeah. So pretty cool. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of move back to the DC Extended Universe here. Now, Suicide Squad, Scott, three, three weekends in a row, top the box office. I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm impressed. Yeah. I really, I did not predict it would be this successful. Yeah, especially with the drubbing that it got. Oh, oh especially that, that opening weekend and the, and the critical reviews. I did not see it doing these kind of numbers. I'm going to be honest. So I have to kind of eat my hat on this one. Yeah. Well, I love the fact, and we're recording this on a Friday night. I love that David Ayer actually tweeted out yesterday. He revealed that worldwide, the film has already surpassed $600 million worldwide. Before this weekend. Before this weekend. And this is, what what day is this at? Day 19? That was day 20 that David Ayer revealed that. So day wow. 20. So less than three weeks. is already it's already passed $600 million worldwide. It, you know, it's definitely slowing down. Uh, this is not, you know, this is probably unlikely to go beyond $700 million. But for a film that essentially had a lot of unknown properties, aside from the Joker, and, you know, Harley Quinn is known by a lot of the, you know, the fans, but by the general public, maybe not so much. Only had a $175 million 
dollar budget, yep. which is for a blockbuster, that's pennies. And that was including the additional shoots that they did as well. But yeah, number one, three weeks in a row. Now, so on the third weekend, it made $20.9 million domestically. And overall, it's making even more money overseas. Let me just give you the total numbers. This is as of Wednesday. This film has made $267 million domestically. And then in all the overseas markets, it has made $313 million. So it's making even more money out of the foreign markets that is in the U.S. markets. Well, I mean, that's kind of common, I think, though. But still, $267 million domestically in three weeks for a property that, unless you're a comic book journalist, you've never heard of? Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And its third weekend was still, according to Mark Hughes, the seventh biggest August weekend of all time mm-hmm. for the third weekend of a movie. Yeah, and that's after getting uh, what was about a 56% drop Saturday and Sunday from the first weekend down to a 52% drop to the third weekend. Let me tell you this. This has actually grossed a lot more money than a lot of films you'd probably be surprised by. So now, me, domestically grossed. Domestically, yeah. We're, we're talking domestically because those are the numbers that we get in a timely fashion. The international numbers, we don't, you know, we don't always get all those numbers quickly. And so that's why we always talk about domestic. So let's run through this. Captain America, the first Avenger, its entire domestic run was $177 million. Now keep in mind, Suicide Squad currently, as of Wednesday, is at $267 million. Captain America Winter Soldier is $260 million. So it's already surpassed that. Amazing Spider-Man, $262 million has passed that. Ant-Man made a total of $180 million. Thor Dark World, $206 million. X-Men Days of Future Past, $233 million. X-Men Apocalypse, Apocalypse, 155 million. Fantastic Four, the most recent one, of course, did terribly. It made 56 million dollars domestically. Batman Begins, you know, and it's I think we're 10 years out now from that. 11 years out from that. Uh, wasn't it 2006 or was it 2005? No, it was 2005. 2005. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Batman Begins made 207 million. So it has already surpassed all of these. And of course, we didn't, you know, we haven't adjusted for inflation. Most of these wouldn't be much of an adjustment. Batman Begins probably a little bit more of an adjustment, but it has made more money than all these films. And this is the third DCEU film. Now, what's next up, Scott? Uh, well, next up, it it has the possibility of trying to beat out Man of Steel, which had $291 million, Iron Man 2, which had $312 million, Iron Man 1, that $318 million, BVS at $330 million, Deadpool at $363 million, and then Guardians of the Galaxy that had a ridiculously long domestic run. I mean, it had legs like nobody's business yeah. went on for 84 days and it eventually brought in 333 million dollars yeah. domestically uh now w- right now suicide squad is outpacing something like guardians uh which is the you know which is you know deadpool's the number one of these numbers we're looking at but once again we're dealing also doing the fact that guardians was in the theaters for so long yeah and i don't know suicide squad's gonna stay in the theaters that long yeah yeah, it won't be in that long. Uh, and I, I always forget like how long Guardian sat out there. It just was, it's almost out there three months. <laughs> it's massively long for a film. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. so let's talk about what it's going into its fourth weekend here. So I think it's streak of being number one is going to end with this weekend. And the reason yeah. being is because we, we have a horror movie that's coming out, which is getting a lot of great buzz right now. And this film is called Don't Breathe. Yeah. Even I'm hearing about that and I don't even like horror movies. Right. And yet I'm hearing about it. And then also uh, Mechanic Resurrection 
direction, which is a, uh, a Jason Statham movie. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll draw in a crowd. Yeah. Well, so uh, right now, Hollywood reporters are projecting that uh, Don't Breathe is going to get somewhere between 11 and 14 million over the weekend domestically. And uh, I, I think Mechanic Resurrection is going to make about six to eight million. And then the projection for Suicide Squad is roughly about 10 million. So that would that would come in second out of these three films. Yeah. So, you know, Mark Hughes thinks that we'll end up probably with a worldwide number around 660 to 680 million. Keeping in mind that's without a China opening. Yeah. That So that's an impressive number considering that probably one of the largest foreign markets out there, we didn't even, you know, get to get a seat at the table. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great number for this film. And, you know, it's so sad to know that if this film didn't get hammered as badly as it did. And, you know, of course, we've said it here routinely that it was a lopsided hammering. This could have easily made another hundred million. I know. And it's so weird is that even with the hammering, it's making more money than movies that, frankly, I enjoyed more than I did Suicide Squad. But that, I think, is just a testament to the film or a testament to the fan base that it's pushed past the bad reviews and is still raking in so much money. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we think a sequel is inevitable. So does Mark Hughes as well. So this has already struck gold with something that got hammered. <laughs> so, you know, you, you try to correct whatever issues the, uh, some of the critics may have had. And, you know, this thing is just going to be really big the next time around, even bigger. Yeah. Well, apparently MTV was doing an interview with several Suicide Squad actors. And we're starting to get some descriptions about more specifics of the deleted scenes that, mm-hmm. you know, we keep on hearing about, you know, the greatly rumored deleted scenes. And the first one apparently was that Margot Robbie filmed an elaborate dance sequence in the club flashback, mm-hmm. uh, the one with Common. And of course, we only saw like snippets of her dancing around in that gold gown. But apparently there was a lot more to it. Like there pop, it sounds like to me like there was an entire like dance number that yeah. she did. Well, let's be clear. When you talk about deleted scene, I wouldn't consider this a deleted scene. The way David Ayer works is he likes to take lots of film. And so what he's doing is he's just, you know, letting the actors just do their thing. And in this case, Margot Robbie had this big, long dancing. And it's basically David Ayer's job to take a look at all that and figure out, okay, what really works that he can just kind of take out the snippets that he really wants and use that. So so it's not like this was a cut scene. It was just a shortened scene. See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, well, it wasn't a cut scene. You're right. It was a shortened scene, but I would not be surprised that in some early cut that maybe more of that was in there. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Because we've been, we, everything we've heard is that the original cut of the film was so Harley Joker heavy. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised that this was in, you know, more of the movie since there was so much an emphasis on those two characters. Yeah. And Jared Leto went on to talk about uh, some of his scenes. And, and of course, he said this before, you know, when they were filming his Joker scenes, they were just doing a lot of experimentation. And so they were just playing around with all kinds of different things to figure out what works and what doesn't. So that's why we have so much Leto film that's out there that never made it to the film. And he said there's a lot of material that, you know, he thinks at some point we'll see the light of day. And I, and I think it definitely will. He, of course, said, you know, you could fill a whole DVD with all the different surprises and mistakes that they made while they're filming. And if you said, of course, you know, there's a lot of fun accidents that actually came out from all that like improvisational work that they did. 
Well, once again, I it's so weird that I feel like that the big selling point of this home release is going to be the deleted scenes. Yeah. The same way that the big selling point for the home release of BVS was the extra 30 minutes that got edited into the movie. Yeah. It's like all what we want to see is the stuff we didn't get to see in the theaters. Yeah. You know, and I'm actually <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a fan of this, quite honestly. I'm a sucker for getting like a second round with a film. You know, this will probably come out, you know, sometime before Christmas. Right. So. Uh, yeah. If we think BVS was like March to March to July, July. and late March, I mean, like practically April right. to July. Yeah. So that's April, May, June, July. So if we get August, September, October. Yeah. So we're looking at like a November release. Yeah. Probably November. Well, let's see. November. Yeah. Probably November, December. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be a big thing. If they kind of a- advertise that there's going to be a lot of like cool scenes here that we hadn't seen. I mean, it's just there's going to be a lot of people buying us. We've had fantastic sales as we talked about last week with Batman v Superman and it's gone on for a month being at the top of the leaderboards and uh, I expect that we're going to get something very similar here with this film. I would actually I would actually think that this one might even get more yeah, because it of it's been so much more popular just with the fans mm-hmm. in the theater. I can only imagine how that's going to translate translate into home video sales. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's another little thing uh, Will Smith and Jay Hernandez were joking around about a cut scene. <laughs> Will Smith is saying he was implying that when they were shooting it uh, uh, there was a love scene between him and Rick Flagg. And I just love his little dry sense of humor. He goes, it just seemed a bit awkward at the time. <laughs> so. And Jai Courtney then talked about how apparently there was an altercation between him and Killer Croc, which I would have liked to have seen more of, you know. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen, yeah. B- Boomerang saying stupid stuff he shouldn't say, and then the other members, like, beating the crap out of him for it. I'd like that. Yeah, apparently Killer Croc just swatted at him, and he went flying off into this big stack of plastic containers. David, or we want to see that scene. <laughs> any any chance I get to see Jai Courtney just getting beat would just be great. <laughs> no offense, Jack Courtney, but it, you mean boomerang. You want to see boomerang? Get yeah, exactly. Yeah, I should have. I should have stated it that way. It's it's boomerang, not Jai. Um, did you watch this um before and after or the visual effects for the movie? Yeah, I mean it was uh it was pretty cool. I mean I was really kind of shocked at just how much CGI was actually in this film, which I didn't even realize. I mean I knew there was you know obviously a lot with the antagonist of the film, but uh, I was really kind of surprised at some of the stuff with Harley that you know they showed like the before and after scenes before the CGI and I didn't realize the elevator shot was literally done in this little green room. Really? Yeah. I missed, missed that. that. That was very well done. Yeah. Never would have known that. I thought it was in a real elevator. Yeah, they did a great job. So, man, it just goes to show you how, like, seamless some of the CGI is getting right now. Like, even, you know, even as much CGI, CGI that's being done in Hollywood right now, there's still a lot of players that can put out really good CGI. Well, the uh, as we predicted last week, the Suicide Squad album is still number one for the second week on the Billboard Top 200. Mm-hmm. And first soundtrack to spend more than a week at number one since the Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014, which, you know, we all remember, like, that was like, that soundtrack was a cultural phenomenon. So um, that put Suicide Squad in some pretty good soundtrack company. It earned a 93,000 equivalent album unit, which I still don't really understand what that means. Like, does that mean like 93,000 sales of the album? I I see it as 93,000. Okay, let's say if if an album has say 10 tracks okay if you download a track say 10 times that would be an equivalent album oh okay that's the way I interpret it now it's probably some variation of that but that's essentially what they mean by equivalent album units okay well and that's down 49% from the prior week Mm -hmm. and then 50,000 of that 92,000 was comprised of the traditional album sales which uh, they were down 
51%. So it does seem like that the people who wanted to buy the actual physical media bought it in the first week. Right. And can we talk about the Suicide Squad fallout? The fact that the soundtrack has dropped down 49% in one week. Shut up, Tim. I'm going to slap you across this microphone. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, guys on the internet, we need to get on that. We got to find a way to hate on the soundtrack. All right. Justice League news, man. Let's start off with some kind of a good turn of news here. You know, we know all the the terrible stuff Amber Heard has been going through with her and Johnny Depp. You know, really messy relationship and ended up in divorce here. Uh, well, actually, she's apparently in London and she's around with a lot of her friends right now. And so, People Magazine actually did their thing and had the paparazzi out there that uh, caught some pictures of her. But it looked like Amber Heard was actually out in London with Cara Delevingne and Margot Robbie. And this was just a few days after divorce settlement. So, you know, it's good that she's out there. She was with a bunch friends. Uh, What I actually thought was kind of funny on this is apparently one of the eyewitnesses to this said they tried to actually get into a nightclub and were denied access. And I just want to know who is denying these three lovely ladies access to some kind of nightclub. I have no idea. And it's really funny is that, you know, it's all, you know, the headlines all about Amber Heard parties after her divorce settlement. (laughs) And the only thing I'm seeing is she's in London. Justice League is filming in London. She's in London. (laughs) You know, that's all that I'm (laughs) thinking about is she's in London. That means she's ready for filming. Yeah. So of course, uh, you know, it was always rumored that she was actually going to be in Justice League. So the fact that she's in London is very, very interesting news. I didn't think it was rumored. I thought it was confirmed. I, I thought she was cast to be in Justice League. That's what I think I remember us reporting like months ago. Uh, so that's what I'm struggling with. I can't remember if it was officially confirmed. And I think this actually came, was this an Umberto Gonzalez thing? No, this was a thing because remember the, we talked about the deposition and how one of the th- reasons she couldn't show up for one of her depositions for the divorce case was she had a costume fitting for Justice League. True. True, true. Okay, yeah. So that was official. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so anyway, great news that she's actually there. But I actually did kind of find it interesting that the two girls from Suicide Squad were there as well. I thought it was awesome that it's like the DC, I called it, even the show notes, I was like, Amber Heard hanging out with her DCEU pals. It's a DCEF, the DC Extended Friends. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, apparently um, Henry Cavill is showing some love to DC in Miami as he was as a random passer by took a picture with him and he's in a green lantern like wife beater it's <laughs> yes, it's it's uh it's it's henry cavill all muscly and making tim feel you know extremely inadequate inferior. yes yes <laughs> uh but wearing a traditional green lantern shirt i yeah. i love henry i yeah. just want i just want to take him home he's so sweet i just love the fact that like they're just flat out embracing being part of this dc extended universe but the scott i think we're missing the important point here isn't this basically confirm that superman's going to come back as Green Lantern. This has happened before in the comics. You, you, I don't die. Why, why, guys, why, why do I do this show with Tim again? Please, someone tweet me and tell me. I, yep. I don't understand. For for those listeners that want me to leave the show, please tweet me and tell me so, and we will make it happen. So, <laughs> now, it's kind of speaking of the love, we actually have Gal Gadot, which this one kind of cracks me up. <laughs> Yes, it does. She yes, posted it does. on Twitter <laughs> a picture of her waking up out of bed. And, and I assume this is over in London somewhere. But she's waking up out of bed and she's wearing what appears to be this white T-shirt that has the Batman logo on it. And it just says Batman. Now, I mean, this is great. Again, you know, giving love across all the different properties here with DC. You know, they're just basically embracing being part of this universe. But I had to laugh at this because seriously, 
Who is, I mean, it's like, who's taking this picture of her waking up? That's what I, I would know. assume her husband, you know, but it's, yeah. it's funny. Yeah, it is kind of funny. So anyway, just looked a little bit posed, but I still thought it was. A little funny. bit posed? Oh, come on, Tim. Just a little Let's bit. be honest. It, it is posed, <laughs> but it's cute and we accept the cuteness. Yes. It, we, it's Gal Gadot. She's a beautiful woman. Yes. We are not judging. We, no, we're not. <laughs> nope. And even if Tim is, once again. Mm-mm. Yep. So we had one more photo. Why don't you tell us about this one, Scott? <laughs> Jason Momoa has a beard now. Yeah. I love this. It is Guinness. I love Guinness. Uh, apparently, he was at the uh, Open Gate factory in Dublin, which I've been there. It's a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Best Guinness in the world is, you know, straight from the source. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a sour, which I'm going to be honest, I'm not a beer connoisseur. I'm just a guy who drinks beer that he likes to drink. And it's a called the... The Mono Brew, right? Yes. And it has his uh, signature on it. And Jason Momoa is just posting all these pictures from around the Guinness factory mm-hmm. that I recognize some of the locations because I've been there. And there was even a picture of him uh, <laughs> drinking beers with uh, the two creators of the Game of Thrones TV show. Yeah. Which, uh, um, since Game of Thrones films in Ireland, that just made sense. And that was, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. I want to drink this beer. I hope it's made I hope it's domestic. Real. I hope it. No, I know it's real. I just hope it's d- made domestically available because I yeah. totally want to drink this. Yeah, so definitely a lot of fun. I'm with you on that. I, I love Guinness. I, I love me a good, deep, dark beer. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about a flash rumor going around. Okay, we're done. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, w- let's let's talk about what it is and then we can give our verdict on it. This came from Umberto Gonzalez on Periscope. He basically just made a statement that the villains of the Flash film are going to be the rogues. And that was basically it. No other really information beyond that. So it's amazing how this little statement that was made, suddenly the internet was afire and everyone was talking about how it's confirmed the rogues are going to be in the film. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, if they are, awesome. Yeah. I, I, I would love the rogues to be the villains because it's so Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all that guy. I mean, w- w- let's be honest. There's nothing. Umberto has good sources. I mean, he's he's come through before, but still, that's all it is. It's him that's making a is. statement. Yeah. Based on his sources. Yeah. And yet people report it like it's, you know, the the God's honest truth. Yeah. Which it, it, and it very well might be, but I mean. It might be. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> this is purely a rumor at this point. There's nothing, there's nothing confirming any of this at this point. And he didn't even, you know, expand on it. But I mean, l- let's just kind of talk about it. I mean, would you want to see that film? I Like, I definitely oh, yes. want <laughs> yes. to see Jai Courtney as Boomerang show yes. up in this film. Uh, I want Captain know. Cold. I want Captain Cold. I want, well, I want uh, Weather Wizard oh, and Mirror Master. Cool. Yep. I, yeah. Uh, you know, actually, I want to save Mirror Master. Really? See, I, I do. I, I, when we talk about rogues, I mean, I want the lineup. Yeah. I, I am just, I'm just like that. You know, I, I'm when, when it comes to the other members of the rogues, it's like, uh, you know, I can give or take. But my my go-tos, when we talk about rogues, I'm talking Captain Cold, I'm talking Boomerang, I'm talking Mirror Master, Trickster. and I'm talking what, uh, yeah, Trickster, I can take or leave it. But it's, <laughs> but, you know. What if it was Mark Hamill? Hell yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it won't be, but yes. It won't be, but wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome, but it won't be. And don't quote us and say that we said that. We're just saying that, you know, it's still geeky that he's on the Flash TV show. Yes. <laughs> let's just be, let's just say that. And if we are wrong about this, we'll come back and edit this out. If we're, if we're wrong about this, I don't know. If we're know. wrong about this, yes. Okay, okay, good. Um, I think it'd be pretty cool because, I mean, if there's anybody that you want to have, like, a big group of villains that you're going against, it's the Flash. Yes. Because he needs, he needs a big 
big group. Yeah, he needs a group because he has to be fighting that many different people at the same time. Because he's super fast. I mean, it's, it's hard to really create, you know, an adversary against the Flash unless it's a speedster. Which, and we talked about that, you know, that's what the Flash TV show is dealing with right now. And, you know, that executive producer was talking about that last week. So, yeah. yeah so just having uh, having a group of villains, I think, would be a lot of fun because I don't think we've really seen that in any comic book film. So, again, this is an opportunity for Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment to do something, something a little bit unique. Well, I think it's time to kind of go kind of rapid fire sure. through some TV news. Yeah. Um, there was some, there were a few Gotham stories this week. Nothing really, you know, earth shattering. Did they already mention that Solomon Grundy was going to be in the season? Because uh, John Stevens mentioned that on an interview with Comic Book Resources. And that's like the first time I'm hearing that. That is the first time or is not? No, no, that's the first time. I mean, he mentions all these other villains that's like, I knew Mad Hatter. I knew the Tweedle Brothers. Of course, with the Court of Owls, we're going to see Talons. But Solomon Grundy? Really? Cool. I think Solomon would, Grundy was rumored at one point. I felt like we reported on it as a rumor. Okay. Well, apparently it's confirmed now. Yeah. And considering that he's born on a Monday, that just works out for Gotham. <laughs> exactly. So they, they missed the boat. They should have had a, some baby born like last season. Oh. Because he literally would have been born on a Monday. Born on a Monday. Oh, you're right. Okay. So yeah. So it's kind of cool. It, it almost seems like they're kind of getting back to, I wouldn't say the freak of the week, but you know, there's there's a large number of villains here. Yeah. Well, Because yeah, I mean, we're talking about just the first half of the season here. Yeah, that's true. But I would not be surprised if it's to introduce them so that they can... Uh, you know, play a part later on the series because that was my biggest criticism of the first season was that it really was Freak of the Week where you know they either were killed or done away with by the end of the episode so these were characters that weren't coming back yeah these are characters that you're going to retain yeah so yep. so anyway I like the idea of all these so let's talk a little bit about The Flash now The Flash is actually going to be filming an episode that is going to be penned by Zach Stentz and if you don't know who Zach Stentz is he is one of the guys that worked on screenplays for X-Men First Class and Thor and there was a lot of excitement about this when we heard Zach Stentz was actually going to be writing an episode because he actually worked with Kevin Smith in season two's Runaway Dinosaur. And uh, so there was a, this thought once we had heard that Kevin Smith was going to be doing another episode this year, this season, that it was going to be Zach Stentz again because a lot of people considered that one of the best episodes. Oh, it was a fantastic episode. Yep. If you don't remember, this was the episode where Barry was in the Speed Force. That yes. was a, and, and Zach Stentz had also been promoted to some sort of producer role for season three. So we knew we were expecting to see more episodes from him and yep. he's going to be writing the fifth episode of the third season that's entitled Monster. Yeah. Uh, so the villain rival has been cast and this apparently is Vampire Diaries Todd Lassance. Yeah, he's an Aussie. So. He is an Aussie, yep. Uh, so he's been cast to be what is apparently going to be a reoccurring role of playing the rival. And uh, so this is actually the speecher that we saw in a black costume that you've seen some from some of the set visits here. Right. So the ones where he's he's fighting uh, Wally. Yep. Since Wally apparently is the Flash and Flashpoint. Yep. So, yeah. People had people had misinterpreted those photos and when Savitar got announced everyone was like, oh, that must be Savitar. And this story has, and Berlani was like, no, Savitar's not been cast. Yep. And basically confirmed, no, what you're, wa- what you're seeing is the rival. Right. Which, from my understanding of the character, that's like Jay Garrick's version of the reverse Flash from the Golden Age. Like, mm-hmm. that was his big villain. So, yeah. they're apparently making 
making him Wally's villain for this Flashpoint universe. Uh, and then the last bit of casting news we actually have is Joey King has been cast as Magenta. Now, if you know who Joey King is, she was actually young Tali Al Ghul uh, from Dark Knight Rises back in 2012. And so she's going to be playing Magenta, who's really this a metahuman that's got this ability to control metal. And uh, what's cool about this is this character actually goes way back to 1982 in the New Teen Titans series. And I had actually kind of forgot about this until I saw the news on this. But Magenta was created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. And uh, so it's really cool that we're getting something that goes like over 40 years back. Yeah. Well, anything that's from Wolfman and Perez is, you know, awesome. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. Then, uh, and just to briefly mention, there's a quick 30-second TV spot that's been announced. Not a lot in it. You get to see a little bit more, you know, John Wesley ship. So, you know, that's out on the internet if you want to watch it. Yep. Uh, moving on to Arrow, uh, Wendy Miracle has stated, I think redundantly, that season five will be grittier and magicless. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. You know, you want to get back. We, we've been hearing the get back to the roots kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, they've also released a new 30-second promo for Arrow that shows that there will be a Black Canary Memorial that will be unveiled in Star City. Very cool. And and apparently Human Target will actually, we talked about Human Target appearing in the show last week. Uh, apparently Human Target will be in the fifth episode. And the title of the episode will be Human Target. So very on the nose. Yes. Now, Scott, Supergirl. Kreisberg has revealed that Music Meister might be coming to Supergirl in a Flash episode. I'm the Music Meister. (laughs) Yes. Kreisberg went on to say was, it's funny. We have these villains that can split the earth in half. They can run the speed of light. So what would be so crazy about a villain that can make your friends sing and dance in front of you? <laughs> I think it was Kreisberg being kind of coy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, someone asked him, will Music Meister be the villain in the in the Supergirl Flash musical crossover? And he's like, you know what? Crazier villains exist. Why <laughs> would this one? You know, we have villains that are weirder than that. So mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. I don't. So it wasn't a confirmation, but it wasn't a denial either. So I will say this. This is actually a scenario where you have this type of villain that can come on a show that I can more largely accept a musical. Like, if this explains why we have uh, Supergirl and Flash singing, then I'm I'm, I can, I'm on board for that. Well, I mean, it's always been that. I mean, that's what makes the best musical episodes. I mean, that's why Music Meister worked in Brave and the Bold, and that's why that demon in Once More with Feeling on Buffy mm-hmm. worked, because you have the MacGuffin that makes it make sense. Yeah. So, season into villain is going to be Project Cadmus. And uh, so it's just an organization more than anything here. Uh, they are the ones that have been holding Jeremiah Danvers hostage. And out of that, we're actually going to get a second big bad that's going to come a little bit later in the year. Of course, Project Cadmus is basically hell bent on eradicating all alien life on Earth. And, you know, they're really like a fanatical organization. Uh, they're like true believers. They're a collection of scientists. You know, you kind of consider them the, the patriotic people who really believe, you know, in what they're trying to do here. And and that is actually what it would be considered to make them even more dangerous. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of, you know, people took that quote from Kreisberg and was like, oh, is the Eradicator coming to season two? Because he says they eradicate alien life on Earth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, dear God, guys, you're just <laughs> reading into things. You know, yeah. we're probably not going to get the Eradicator, even though it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it 
would be kind of cool. Well, you never know. You never know. I'm still holding out for Jeremiah as Cyborg Superman because yeah. I want Dean Cain as Cyborg Superman. And I'm totally ripping this off from Tim from Supergirl TV <laughs> Talk, but I want it to happen. He's put it in my head mm-hmm. and I want it. Yeah. So we got our first look at the DEO and this actually came from David Harewood's Twitter. Uh, so this is actually a picture, like a selfie of David Harewood, Melissa Benoist, and Kyler Lee. And in the background, you actually see the DEO. And I get to say, I like this a lot better. Oh, I do too. It doesn't look like the Batcave. It doesn't look like the Batcave. This looks like what you would expect to be, you know, like a DEO in the real world. And, you know, part of this could be maybe the set's all lit up. You know, it's it's obviously going to have a lot more dramatic lighting, you know, when we actually see it in film. But it looks to me like a lot more legit in terms of what this room could actually look like. And I'm really, what I'm more curious about than anything is I knew they had to build a new set when they moved to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in, are they going to explain the difference in the look of the set? Like, is there going to be sort of in-story explanation or are they just going to change the set and we're just supposed to go with it? <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, they could take advantage of that and just like start off the season with the other facility destroyed and then, you know, and they just kind of like fill in the story a little bit later about what happened. That would be cool. That would be cool. still, yeah. I, want an expo- I want an explanation just because that's the way I roll. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. This set is so much cooler looking to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, uh, there's been an announcement as we talked about last week that the Batman 66 animated movie, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders, will be coming out in uh, October and digitally and November 1st on physical disc, but apparently is going to receive a premiere at New York Comic Con that will be held on Thursday, October 6th on the main stage of the uh, Javits Center, uh, and the, apparently it will be followed by a panel discussion with Adam West, James Tucker, Rick Morales, and Michael Jelinek. Mm. So, sweet! It, it also was revealed that t- James Tucker and Mike Jelinek are actually writing the script with Rick Morales directing. And that's kind of cool because these guys do a lot they of do. those direct-to-video movies, like the DC Lego movies and the, you know, the DC Universe on... Uh, direct-to-video films. So uh, this is a great crew. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super excited for this movie, to be honest with you. Yeah, I am too. You know, I hope they do something like a Fathom event like they did with The Killing Joke. I think this has a potential of getting a lot of people out there. You know, there's a lot of people that are nostalgic about that series. Well, and I think the fact that they finally were able to make that deal with 20th Century Fox and back mm-hmm. a couple of years ago get the home video release, right. that just introduced it to a whole new generation that really did not get the opportunity to see it because right. even even being as young as I am, young old, depending on your perspective, <laughs> I still got to watch it on syndication on network television. Yeah, so I am excited. This is getting kind of the love, especially since I'm old enough now to appreciate the satire <laughs> that the show is. Right, it's so funny. You know, I haven't watched that recently. It's uh, it's amazing how much better I understand what they were doing than when I was a kid. I did not get the satire as a kid. <laughs> no, as a kid, you took it completely seriously. No, yeah, of course. It's it's just so funny, though. But yeah, I hope they do a special event with this because I think this would be another winner for them. I agree. Yep. A little bit of Young Justice news. Now, there's a lot of uh, chatter going on on the interwebs this week about season three for Young Justice. And there is a lot of rumor going around that this is happening, that Netflix is about ready to kick it off. But basically, Greg Wiseman, uh, creator of Young Justice, and Peter David actually came in and there was a little conversation going back and forth on Twitter where they basically just debunked this whole thing and said, you know, this a lot of this stuff was just taken out of context and misquoted. Yeah, because the 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 big big Twitter hoo-ha was, 
Peter David has been approached by Netflix about writing, you know, a season three of Young Justice. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, there is no mention of Brendan Vinetti or right. Greg Weissman in here. So <laughs> obviously this can't be right. Because mm. Peter David, yes, wrote the original Young Justice comic book series mm-hmm. and wrote several episodes of the cartoon. Yeah. But he wasn't the showrunner. So right. I knew something was up with this story the minute I saw it. Yeah. But I, I do still maintain, I, I think there there's a lot of potential that this is going to happen. You know, this is um, this is something that I think would do very well on Netflix. And I think at this point, it's just a matter of negotiation. Well, I also think it's it's the classic. We still need to hashtag keep binging YJ. Yes. You know, keep watching those two seasons. And that's what Netflix and Warner Bros. need to know that it's a still a viable property. Yep, definitely. Uh, you know, little bit of comic book news. Just this isn't really much news as it's a reminder that this coming Wednesday, John Ostrander will pin a Suicide Squad one-shot called the Suicide Squad War Crime Special. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be Ostrander returning to the squad, I think, for the first time since 1992, if I'm correct. Yeah. And he's actually going to be using the, if not the current lineup of the squad, at least a squad that's based on the movie. And it'll be a very Ostrander-like story where the squad's being sent in to rescue a retired U.S. senator who's been captured overseas and is being tried for war crimes. Yeah. So, you know, if you liked Ostrander's run or you've heard us talk about Ostrander incessantly for the mm-hmm. past several months and you want to check out his work, then I say pick up War Crimes Special number one this coming Wednesday at your yeah. local comic book store. Yep, definitely. It looks like a, a real interesting book, so I'm definitely picking that up. Yeah, I think Ostrander might have done something with Secret Six. I'm trying to remember back, but I know Gail Simone was trying to get him involved at one point. Yeah, definitely check it out. Well, Scott, man, I think that is it for this week's podcast. So I just want to throw this out to the fans. I want to thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed our discussion. Not a big week, but, you know, it really kind of gave us a chance to kind of talk about what we we're going to be doing with the network. Yeah, and uh, we hope you had fun. You know, we we can always take a little bit of news and stretch it for a while. <laughs> yes, That's definitely. just the way we are. That's what we do. That's what we do. But, you know, if we missed anything that you'd like us to talk about, or if you have your own thoughts uh, that you'd like to share with us, then please contact us. Tim, how can the people get in touch with us? Yeah, the easiest way is through Twitter. You can reach us at Suicide Squadcast, and you can reach me individually on Twitter at Alan Fire. Scott, how about you? You can reach me at ScottDC27, and you can also, if you don't mind waiting, emailing <laughs> the show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, I'd also like to thank the fans. We've been getting a lot of love on our Facebook page yes. in the past couple of weeks. Apparently, all we had to do was mention it. Yes. <laughs> well, in reverse psychology, too, Scott. You got to you gotta give me a little bit of credit here, because I told I'm giving you not, no credit whatsoever. I told people not to go to it, and I would still say do not go to our Facebook page. <laughs> we'll see. We'll get more people this way, Scott. Uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I just know that now I need to start doing more with the Facebook page. Right. Very good. But we do answer you guys. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your likes. And, you know, keep it up. It, you, We do it for you guys. So thanks for your support. So, Scott, we had six iTunes written reviews this week. And we actually had a not-so-positive review, we'll say. Yeah, it wasn't so nice either. So let's, yeah. let's work okay. on that. Well, let's go ahead and read it. I mean, somebody took the time to write it. And we're going to go ahead and read it. So this comes from CC21696, who gave us a two-star written review. And he said, or she said, they come off so biased and says, good content and discussions. The hosts are good at talking, which you can't say for a lot of podcasts. However, the need to spin everything negative that comes out on DC into something positive comes off so forced and it makes you cringe. I mean, one of the hosts literally apologized that he gave an indifferent review on Suicide Squad. He later recanted the review, of course. This show would be so 
much better if it added another host who was less biased. It would give the show a much more balanced and nuanced conversation about DC. So I would just say this. Uh, First of all, thank you for writing the review at least letting us know what you think. But I kind of get the idea that this is somebody who just listened to one of our shows and that's it. Um, And as far as I later recanted my review, yeah, because I changed my mind. So, (laughs) I mean, that's what I have to say. And are we biased? Of course we are. Of course we are. (laughs) This is a DC show. We're talking about DC properties. We love this stuff. As a matter of fact, we've we've we have not hit we've not hidden the fact that we started the show because we were fed up with how negative every other show we found on the internet was (laughs) about DC. So yeah, yeah, we've not hidden that fact. No, we haven't. I mean, and basically our philosophy, guys, is you know, there's things that we like and there's things that we're not so hot on with DC. And we tend to talk about the things we like. So that just gives you an idea where we're at. I mean, we're not gonna sit there and just moan and groan about things that we don't like. We just don't talk about them. So yeah, we are biased. And but I would say this, you know, thank you for at least giving us a shot. We hope you come back and listen for some more. But yeah, that's it. Our now getting into our five star reviews. Uh, Our next one comes from Ross F595 called Great Podcast. Great podcast. Tim and Scott always put facts first and do not promote fanboy theories. Good for all newcomers and veterans to DC Comics. Although I'm not personally a huge fan of the DCCW TV shows, I know people who are and I will be recommending these guys to them for that. Keep it up, guys. Thank you, Ross. And, you know, you might want to recommend our spinoff show that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. All right. And then we got Ty Avenue uh, wrote Amazing Podcast. I am so glad I found this podcast. These guys are very knowledgeable in what they talk about, which makes it even better is the relationship between them. I highly recommend this for those of you who like what's happening with DC movies and TV shows. Keep up the quality work, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Our next one comes from Mikey Pup. Yes. Oh, no. Tim can keep me away from an Australian review. Man, the Aussies love us, apparently. Yes, they do. We're getting a lot of love out of Australia, so thanks so much for that. Yeah, we are. Thank you so much. Uh, This one is called Informative and Entertaining. If you're a DC Comics fan and you love the characters, movies, and TV shows, this is the podcast for you. Scott and Tim and Brent know their stuff and don't muck around with clickbait rumors and BS. Well worth a listen. Keep up the great work, lads. Oh, he (laughs) called us lads. I love that. Yay. (laughs) You know, especially being a Legion of Superhero fan, uh, because a lot of the characters were named Lad. <laughs> of course you turn this into a Legion thing. Of course, thing. Of I course you it. would. It's in my DNA. So our second to last one here is from Royalties, a.k.a. Mac One, titled Two Thumbs Up, and we even get two little thumb ups. So new listener here. I was looking for a podcast for reviews on Suicide Squad to help me believe that I am not stupid. Obviously, because of the 26 Rotten Tomatoes, I enjoyed the movie, just like I enjoy this podcast. Very unbiased, not to beat a dead horse, and has me looking forward to other DC films. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. P.S. Brokeback Mountain has 87 on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the review, but I have to disagree with you here. Brokeback Mountain is actually a very good film. I wouldn't know. I never watched it. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, of course, you know what it's about. Yes, I do. And I still didn't watch it. So, yeah. yeah. But it is a it is a very good story. So, you know, it does deserve the rating that it got. Well, hey, Heath Ledger, I'll, I'll give it two thumbs up for that. Yeah. And Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Mm, whatever. Yeah. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> see, we're not positive about everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, wait a minute. You did see Nightcrawler, right? No, I didn't. But you I have want not to. seen Nightcrawler. I have not seen Nightcrawler, go, but I want go see to. Nightcrawler. You yes, will change sir. your mind about Jake. Okay. All right. Our last review this week comes from MRC twenty three twenty three twenty three <laughs> called "Review of What I've Listened to Since Square One." Good podcast on DC material. Cover most, if not all, of it. Very pro DC. However, not super apologetic about things that are bad. Also, don't deal with the Marvel versus DC hate. Keep it up, boys. Thank you. Yes. We appreciate that. All right, guys. So now we 
we are only two away from the next giveaway. And if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive review in iTunes and you will be entered into this giveaway. For every 10 written reviews that we get in iTunes, we give away a DC trade paperback, $15 or less. So come on, guys. We got one more to go before our uh, one-year anniversary. We want to give this last one away. Yep, Please. Definitely. All right, guys. So that's it. Now, remember, we got a DC Comics Squadcast show coming out. So get to reading DC. Have a good week, guys. All right. See you. Tim, great show, but I hate to tell you, I mean, you you, you come off so biased. I, I come off so biased? No, 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 we're not doing that. You are the one that comes off so biased. No, 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 no. You come off so raven. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that on this show. Very cool. Well, hold on a second. My son's crying. Okay, I'm going to have to put this down. Just hang tight.